It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake John, New York. I'm Bill Caliger, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you listen, whenever you're watching. Hope you're doing okay today. we got a busy show scheduled for you today. Uh, but first, today's show, she's being brought to you in a part of pie. Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.sal's neighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find out why i go all the way to saint simon's to get an authentic italian meal today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book tom molino from bondage the baddest man on the planet is available right now where all good books are sold and you can literally get a copy of it while you're watching or listening to the show uh, just by going to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. If you're looking to get a signed copy, hey, don't worry about it. Just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You're not going to miss it. It's all over the screen. So uh, make sure you uh, write down what you want me to say on it if you uh, want it signed. So, um, Coming up a little bit later, boxing lady. Uh, coming up a little bit later. Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey uh, Boxing Commissioner Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. Uh, and also, uh, coming up later on the show, we're going to do this week's blast from the past. It's a request from one of you guys, Luis Manuel Rodriguez. What a fighter he was. We'll learn about him. Um, today, we got several topics. Hey, I want to give a shout-out uh, to WGIG in uh, Brunswick, uh, Georgia. Uh, glad to be part of uh, your programming today. Uh, as well as all of our television uh, affiliates, and of course, our YouTube audience. And and we're back on uh, simulcasting on Facebook Live. I don't know what uh, happened with their new system, but uh, uh, it wasn't working correctly uh, the last uh, couple of days. It is kind of a funky uh, video shot, so anybody that's watching on Facebook Live, don't forget, come on over to our YouTube stream. And uh, watch the full version of the show, uh, the same version that uh, goes up to uh, the television networks, etc., etc. And as always, we do comment uh, on the uh, chat room that's up on BillyCBoxing.com. A couple of things we're going to be talking about today. Um, the Triple G uh, Canelo rematch is being negotiated, but there's some buts. We'll talk about that. Uh, we got some fights that took place last night. Uh, but one of our big topics today, Deontay Wilder uh, was announced uh, the other day. It'll be officially announced today in New York City. New York City. Uh, Deontay Wilder taking on Luis Ortiz uh, in November. 
from Brooklyn on Showtime. And it is a big fight uh, for the heavyweight division, but I personally think it's the biggest fight so far uh, for Deontay Wilder's career. And to tell you the truth, I think it's the first real fight he's going to be in. The question is, is he going to win it? Joining me right now uh, from St. Simon's Island in Georgia is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Good morning, Sal. Good morning, Billy C. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, you are. The question is, how is Deontay Wilder going to be doing after he steps in the ring with Luis Ortiz on November 4th? What's your thoughts? Well, you know, you and I, we have uh, some core beliefs about Dante, Deontay Wilder. And uh, I also have a little more faith in some of his uh, abilities than I think you do. And I think Deontay Wilder, we're going to see him rise to the occasion, and I really believe that he will win this fight. I uh, don't know in what fashion. I'd like to see how they're both approaching the training camp and what we can hear within uh, two weeks of the fight. I will make a big prediction. But uh, I do think that Deontay Wilder, knowing what's on the line and knowing and believing that he is the best of the best, he's going to let that all be evident uh, when he goes in the ring against uh, Ortiz, and uh, I think he'll win the fight. I really think he'll beat Ortiz. Well, It's going to be a tough one. won't uh, be pretty. You know, here's, here's the bottom line. The only way he's going to beat Ortiz, uh, because it's the in my opinion, it's the first real fight that Deontay Wilder's in. I mean, you know, you want to give him credit for winning a title against Berman Stavern. All right. Um, I don't. And the reason I don't is because Berman Stavern had proved himself really a built-up fighter. Uh, and it just, it, it, to me, it wasn't an accomplishment. The biggest accomplishment I feel that Deontay Wilder has, uh, has made was his win over Otor Spitzka. I like that fight, and I give Deontay Wilder credit. Now, jumping back, Sal, to the fight with Stavern, the one thing that I uh, enjoyed watching with Wilder in that particular fight was the game plan that he and Mark Breland carried out to the T. It showed us that Deontay Wilder does know how to use a jab and take advantage of his arm uh, length, you know, and uh, his arm reach advantage and his height advantage which he did effectively against Stavern. But that was the only fight we've seen him do that in. Every other fight that Deontay Wilder is in, he goes for the KO. He uses, you know, the, the knockout power, which he has. He's got freakish knockout power. Uh, but I don't know if it's going to be enough against Luis Ortiz. Even though Luis Ortiz would be uh, out of the ring for a year, uh, he's 38 years old, uh, has been uh, in fights where he looks good and other fights where he doesn't look that great. Um, I think it's a big test for Wilder, and depending upon the game plan they employ, um, I think this could be uh, this could be the downfall for for Wilder. I don't think he's going to win. I really don't. I, I think Ortiz no, I will get don't. up for this fight, and I think he's going to stop uh, uh, Deontay Wilder. But do, do you think he'll use his jab? I mean, or do you think he's going to try to overpower Ortiz? I think he's going to use his jab. And let me tell you something, Bill. I know Mark Breland. And uh, I think he won the New York Golden Gloves about 300 times or so. And um, not really. And uh, he he's a great trainer. He really is. Fundamentally, he's a sound 
technician in the ring as well. He knows, and I, maybe he's going to be a better trainer than he will be a, a, a fighter. I mean, he was a good fighter, a great amateur. I don't think his professional career led him to the success that his amateur career would have led you to believe it was going. But he still knows boxing. He can assess. He can see from the outside. And as you said, there's a very special relationship between a trainer and a fighter. And if the fighter has confidence in what his trainer is instructing him to do, and if they do it and they realize what they're trying to do and how they're trying to put the arsenal together, uh, then that's a very good combination. And if we saw that was evident in one of his big fights, then I see it's going to be evident in this fight against Ortiz. And uh, with Mark Breedland's tutelage and their strategy to approach his style, I think we may see uh, Deontay Wilder beat this Ortiz. And uh, I'll, I'll bet on that. I'll bet that he's going to win. And you know what? Hey, won't be the first time I'm wrong. But I, I think with all the stars aligning, I think uh, Deontay Wilder is going to put his money where his mouth is, is going to put uh, rise to the occasion. And I think Ortiz, whether it's a layoff or not or whatever he's got, uh, I think he'll give a great fight. I think it's going to be a very good fight. I think there's going to be a little ebb and flow. Um, but you did say Deontay Wilder does have freakish knockout power. And if he boxes, he uses that jab, he opens things up. Uh, I think it's not going to be too long into the fight. Definitely by the middle rounds, we're going to see some knockish power uh, starting to hit home and landing. That's my opinion. Well, I'll take the bet. And the truth of the matter is, is that Luis Ortiz is an accomplished fighter, an extensive amateur career. Um, and, and, and hey, listen, let's give Deontay Wilder credit. He, he had a, a successful, not, not an extensive amateur career, but he's had a, a successful amateur career winning a bronze medal in the Olympics. But, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is he's in there with a guy that even at his ripe old age and even after the, um, the delay, you know, the, the, the delay in his, you know, his last fight, he'll be a year out of the ring. And assuming that there's ring rust or whatever, even with all those factors, this is a guy that's going to give Deontay Wilder some trouble. He, he knows how to fight when angles. Oh, yeah. um, he knows that he has to wear it's something that no one has done before. They haven't tried to get inside on Deontay Wilder and work that skinny little body. Deontay Wilder is not a he's a big guy height wise, but he's not a big guy. I mean, when you see some of these heavyweights, you know, the girth, I mean, they're, they're, they're big I men. Uh, Deontay's not, and, and uh, his chin is suspect. Um, he's been in there where he could just let the bombs go, and I, I think that this Ortiz fight is going to really show us something about Wilder. Now, Wilder does pound his chest and think he's the best, which you want to see in any fighter, um, but giving Deontay credit, I do believe he listens to his trainer. I don't know... If Mark Breland wants him to to uh, you know try to outbox a guy he's supposed to take out really quickly, I, I think the excitement factor plays into this. But this fight right here, um, you know, Wilder against Ortiz has to be a a you know a calculated multi game plan. Uh, type of a fight they got to have plan a yes. b and c for this fight sal because despite luis ortiz's age and his layoff um this is a real fight I, I i honestly believe it's the first real fight that wilder will be in i agree with you and i think it's going to be a great test for wilder and that's what i'm saying i think all along this guy's been trying to keep his uh his uh 
his skills uh, out in the public's eye. And, and as he's touting, he wants to face everybody. I think his management team, promotional team, I think they've been very careful to do a little Walter sidestep here and there where they can just to elongate or, or give him the time to catch up with himself and and uh, uh, get the experience of facing these guys and picking the time that it's going to be right to face the other opposition. And I think now this is the first real test that he's going to have as a uh, as a title holder defending his title. And, and like I said, I think he's going to rise to the occasion. He knows what's at stake. And plan A, B, C, uh, I think when push comes to shove, yeah, he'll be able to uh, um, take on Ortiz, and I think he's going to beat him. I think he's going to, you know, if he wants to slow him up, he wants to get his attention, he's going to have to throw some big bombs early and hurt him and slow him down and get some respect from Ortiz. And uh, that may be uh, the strategy right there. I think, uh, you know, his jab, once he uses that and establishes it, will also be a good weapon. And, uh, you know, he's just he's got to be able to hit a moving target, too, because Ortiz could, could move a little bit. Yeah, he can move. I, I, listen, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see because Deontay Wilder has put a lot of pressure on himself, pounding his chest, saying he's the best. And this fight is, is important for Deontay in a lot of ways. Not only do, I, I mean, for a guy like me, not only do I think it's going to be a, a gauge for, for Deontay Wilder, um, I, I believe that it, it helps Deontay Wilder in, in a bargaining situation when it comes uh, to Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is the best heavyweight on the planet today. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Anthony Joshua was fighting Cuba Pulov. We hope that the winners, Pulov, uh, AJ, and then uh, you know uh, Deontay Wilder and, and Luis Ortiz will meet. So uh, you know that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for. But uh, you know Deontay Wilder, if anything, I think he'll make it an exciting fight. I, I think he will fight cautious, um, but he's got a lot of confidence in himself. And that could lead to mistakes. So there's a lot of in, there's a lot of interesting uh, plots, side plots for this yeah. fight. And um, I, I, you know, here the one thing I'm going to say is that you know, fighters today, it's not it's not really the fighters. It's their management. It's their promoters, etc. They are safety first. They they want to hand pick opponents. They want to build up that record. They want to build up value in the fighters. And I get it. I, I understand. But this is a case, Sal, where this could really hurt Deontay Wilder because he has not increased his level of opposition um, in his last several fights. He just has not. And he's looked ordinary at best. Yes, he's won by knockout in exciting fashion. Yeah, he's done that. You can't deny that. But has he truly gotten better since he won the title from Stavern? I still think that that was one of his best performances even though I give more credit for the win over Spitzka, um, has he gotten better? And I think that that's going to be the major question here. A fighter sometimes elevates his style, elevates his talent to the level of opposition he's going to face. There's many times where a fighter has fought a lesser fighter that should have been ordinary, that should have been an easy victory. And for whatever reason, it looked like a clumsy way to get his hand raised at the end. Uh, it's just it's just looking into that crystal ball. I mean, boxing is boxing. On any given night, I always say this, any fighter can be beaten. You never know. Uh, but 
when all things are aside, uh, black and white on paper, yeah, we, we pretty much go by the indicators of what's going to help us judge and predict who's going to win a fight. But uh, like I said a lot of times, there are times when certain fighters do elevate or, or fight down, fight up, wherever they have to be. I think Deontay Wilder on this occasion will rise to the occasion. He knows what's online, what's on the line. And I no, we just uh, we good just... enough to beat uh, Ortiz and we'll that out. And uh, but I think he's going to pull the best, and that's what boxing is all about: challenging yourself and becoming the best fighter you could. Yeah, you're we're, you're you're breaking up there, Sal. Um, we uh, got uh, we had head. some fights last night. Uh, just to get people caught up, uh, uh, Mario Barrios uh, improved to twenty and zero with twelve knockouts when he scored a seventh round stoppage over Niam Nelson. Nelson drops at thirteen and four. It was a, a junior middleweight fight on Tuesday night fights uh, out of Pennsylvania. Um, Barrios has been moved along well, and I think uh, he's going to be uh, uh, a future. Uh, uh, obviously a world champion, but uh, I think he's going to be a big name, and, and he's been moved along correctly, uh, increasing his level of opposition, and he's getting better and better each time out. Now, this must be an era of the draws, Sal, or at least a month of the draws, because the two other fights that were on the televised <laughs> portion last night ended in draws uh, with I some uh, prospects. Uh, in the lightweight division, Thomas Velocu's uh, his record now is 9-0-1 with five knockouts when he and Tyrone Jones, who's now 4-2-1 with one knockout, uh, fought to a uh, six-round draw. And in a light heavyweight division, Earl Newman, who was undefeated, uh, he's now 10-0-1. And Paul Parker, who was uh, only twice beaten, he's now 8-2-1 when they fought to an eight-round draw. What's in it, man? I mean, we get a draw in the big fight uh, this past weekend. Now we got uh, draws on, on uh, prospect fights. You know, that's like uh, one of the things we don't want to see a lot of in the sport of boxing. No, we don't. It, you know, it's 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 funny because every time I, I think about that, well, you know, we, we see when it, when a football game ends in a tie, when uh, when uh, baseball you have extra innings. Um, you know, they have uh, you know they have alternative ways to arrive at a winner of a contest. Yeah, maybe with boxing, if a fight ends with a draw, they should go to additional three rounds. Oh, I'm sorry, that'll make it a 15-round fight. Whoa. But you think about it. Maybe that's, that could be a new clause. Any draw after 12 rounds in a championship fight, they should go to three additional rounds, and bingo, that might decide. I like that. Let's use that. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, draws are draws. I mean, they're they're a involved. In, I just but, don't know, like seeing them anymore, especially in in the big big well, fights. You know, I mean, uh, that's what I'm saying. What Why not in the big fight, Billy? That, that could be a thing we push for a championship world title fight, twelve rounds, only in world championship fights when belts are on the line for the title. If they're ending a draw like it did the other night. Give them their five minute in between after the announcement's made, and uh, or fifteen minutes, and bam, three extra rounds have to fight to the fifteenth round. Then we have a champion. We'll see. You judge a three round fight. I like that. Let's let's see if we can get that. Have some wheels. Well, I don't know like if they'd that. be able to give them that much time. You don't want to fight it a cool off. All right, uh, five minutes. And, five and, minutes. and the thing is, is you know half the time when they're you know adding up all the scorecards when they, when they got to take their socks and shoes off to add. I mean. Uh, you know, uh, listen, there should be 15-round fights to begin with. But, hey, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'll give you more thoughts on uh, 
Deontay Wilder and his fight coming up with uh, Luis Ortiz will be announced officially today uh, in New York City. Billy C will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be here. And uh, Sal and I are discussing the uh, Ortiz against Wilder fight that will be officially announced uh, today. And Sal... Uh, we got uh, some other fights on that card. As a matter of fact, part of the deal, because if you recall, Bermain Stavern has been the mandatory for uh, Deontay Wilder for like, you know, nine years now. And um, <laughs> he agreed to some step-aside step money. And he's going to be fighting Dominic Brazil on the undercard. Now, Brazil is a fighter that, you know, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, this guy has been in uh, a little tougher than normal. He's a big guy, uh, not extremely talented in my opinion, but he can take a punch. He's got a, a chin of granite, and uh, I think he's going to beat Stavern. Uh And also scheduled for that card uh, is rumor that uh, Daniel Jacobs will return. Um, they are uh, looking for a TBA. We heard uh, our man uh, Cutman Rella. Uh, saying that he'll be in the corner. So I, I'm looking forward to uh, Daniel Jacobs on that card. And, and that it sounds like a really good card. Heavyweight title fight, uh, a heavyweight elimination between Stavern and Brazil, and, of course, the return of Jan Daniel Jacobs. Your thoughts? I think it's great. And that's what – see, that's what the cards used to have. I remember in the 70s and 80s, that's what we used to have, title elimination fights before the main event, championship fight, this big significant fight. That's – the key there there were significant undercard fights they weren't just uh we're going to put this guy in here to fill up some time with this guy uh so i think that's a great card and i can't wait to see daniel jacobs back in action along with mike rella <laughs> yeah well uh, you know hopefully you know that mike rella is the kind of guy you, you don't want to see much because uh no, you don't want to if, see if, if you you've seen see a lot him. of him if you've seen a lot of him on the screen that means uh somebody's a bloody mess you know so uh uh no offense <laughs> well, yeah. mike we love you but uh you know we don't want to see you you know but uh hey there's been some uh discussions on the rematch triple g canelo and, um, you know, I, yesterday I, I, I mapped out what I thought Triple G should do. Uh, you know, and some of the comments made by Triple G's promoter and stuff, they're going down the same path I don't think they should. First and foremost, the rematch clause that's in the con that was in the contract for the first fight already spells out the conditions of the second fight. So Triple G has already signed off on some stuff, which... I, you know, I got a problem with. I, you know, I don't think he should make all the concessions. The the other issue uh, is that uh, you know Alvarez refuses to fight before uh, May fifth, Cinco de Mayo. I think that that's in uh, Canelo's favor, a hundred percent. Now, the, now according oh, yeah. to Team Triple G, they are okay with that fight, but they make another st uh, with that date. They make another statement. They said if we can't get this signed, sealed, and delivered quickly, 
Then we're going to look at another option. And what's that other option? Miguel Cotto. But here's the part that I don't like. Miguel Cotto has made the announcement that he's going to fight on December 2nd and that he, that will be officially his last fight. He's going to retire. So once again, Triple G's team is saying, well, if we can't get the Canelo rematch signed, sealed, or delivered for May 5th, then we're going to take Cotto on December 2nd. But it sounds to me that they're already making the concessions to fight under Cotto's uh, demands. What, what, why does Triple G have to conform? At this stage of the game, shouldn't Triple G be making the decisions and say, screw you to, to anybody else that doesn't want to? I mean, Triple G doesn't need a rematch with Canelo, in no. my opinion. And he certainly doesn't need a fight with Cotto. He could go after Billy Joe Saunders, who's technically called him out a hundred times. I mean, I don't understand it. What's your thoughts on on Triple G seemingly, you know, making any concession with with both these fighters, Canelo or Cotto? Well, like we were just saying last week, going into the fight, you know, unless this is part of what he uses as fuel to inspire him to to have a, a controlled rage attitude with, oh, I'll show these guys, I got this, I got that, I'm going to come in there and I'm going to take take it from their 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 own backyard. You know, I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but the bottom line is he should not have to. He's in a driver's seat. These guys need him more so or equally or more so than he needs them. And the bottom line is I, I don't see what significant value a Miguel, Miguel Cotto fight would be. I see a, a better better opportunity for getting the other belt with the other guy, Billy Joe Saunders. And that might be a, a good way to do it. If they're going to wait till Cinco de Mayo, which is going to be over six months from now, they should definitely maybe consider fighting in the new year or the end of the year, Billy Joe Saunders, and unify and get every one of the belts. Then when they face Canelo, that'll be a, that'll be a big fight. I mean, it'll be a big fight no matter what, but you know, he'll have that extra belt to put on the line. I don't know, Bill. It's, it's, it's a little sour. He shouldn't have to make all these concessions. Like I said, unless he uses that as fuel for his fire, I don't know. Listen, I, I've, I've been a promoter, uh, manager, advisor, et cetera, et cetera. I've, I've done many contracts. Um, and and, and uh, let's just say this. Yes, there was a rematch clause in effect. But at this stage of the game, it's called making an amendment to the contract. And if yes. I'm Team Triple G, I say, well, look, I want the rematch. I'll give you the date. We'll give you the date, but but here's going to be some changes. Number one, you're going out there first. You're getting announced first. You know, I'm getting just as much of a purse as you are, uh, if not more. You know, I mean, the, 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 all of the concessions that were made, you know, uh, for Canelo, he cannot be given that freedom again because let's be real. Triple G, like you always say, rose to the occasion for this fight, despite being older, despite not looking great in his last several fights. He rose to the occasion and fought a good fight, and for all intent purposes, won the fight. Um, he won that fight. Seven, eight. Uh, you're he talking nine months from now, right? You're talking yeah. what is it? October, November, December. Nine months from now. Eight, eight or long. nine months. Eight, eight months. You know, whatever. Too long. Um, from now. Eight months is a long time on a 35-year-old body who's not going to be working out, who's going to be taking some time off. And I think that that is a huge, huge benefit 
for Canelo. And again, we're going into this fight, Sal, with Triple G, and I'm going to say it again, needing a knockout to win this fight. We said it before the last fight. I said, and you could go back and look at the titles of our show, I said, can Canelo, I mean, can Triple G win a decision in Vegas? And I said, no. I didn't think he he could. And he didn't. You know, he got a draw. You know, so, I mean, it's a joke. It's a complete joke. And Triple G needs to look at it like this. You know, he's got to be the guy in the driver's seat. And if Canelo says no, move on. Because I don't think he needs the rematch. I want to see it, Sal. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think he needs it. I think he needs it for himself. But like I said, you know what? If he can't get Canelo before May 5th, which I, I think is ludicrous. I mean, this fight should be taking place within six months. Easy, within six months. Uh... Four to six months is, is ample time to prepare, to, to have your break, to do what you got to do, and to get back into the ring. Uh, but I, I, if it's going to be longer, yes, it is going to be in, in favor of Canelo Alvarez, who is younger, and he's more durable. He's got more recuperative powers and skill right there, uh, uh, or ability, I should say. Uh, and in the meantime, Triple G shouldn't waste any time with Miguel Cotto. He should go after Billy Joe Saunders, get that belt, and say, okay, here I am. Now let's do it. Exactly. Or whatever. Exactly. I agree with that, Sal. And and the thing is, is he doesn't need Canelo because Canelo, right. everybody, everybody except Canelo's team knows that Canelo lost the fight. I mean, nobody yes. thinks that, that Canelo won that fight. You know, I don't care what, what you know, the uh, Adelie Bird says. You know, but the truth of the matter is, is if I'm Triple G, I go after Billy Joe Saunders, even though he'll overprice himself. Grab that last belt, even though the belts don't mean crap. Grab the last belt and then say, okay. And and he could do that in December, right? Stay sharp. Absolutely. Stay sharp. You know, stay fighting. And then if if he wants to fight Canelo and, and Team Triple G says, we don't want to take a chance, an injury, a cut, which makes sense. But then if, if Canelo really wants him, calls him out, then Triple G says, hey, I want to retire. He could pull a Mayweather. I want to retire as the Good. undisputed champion. Uh, but if you want to fight me, here's the deal. You're going to do this, this, and this. And if not, Bingo. then fine. Walk away as the undisputed champ. And, uh, you know, Canelo will always be kicking himself in the ass for uh, basically being uh, a douche. I'm going to use one of Alex's words, a douche, uh, and not take <laughs> wow. the uh, not take the heavy. fight. But don't you think? Don't you think? I, I think, I think minus the Alex word. Yeah, I think uh, I think it says it all. I think you know. Hey, guess what? Triple G won that fight. I don't care what what Adelaide Bird said. Who's for the birds? I would never want to see her in a, uh, bird, in a position bird, bird, judging bird a is the word. big fight like that again. It's but, like, uh, you know the old song, uh-huh. bird, 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 bird is the bird. word. <laughs> it's bird is a bird. Yeah. Bird, 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 bird. I know, I know. <laughs> no, but you're, you're right, man. Is it 100% uh, correct uh, on that. And uh, I, I, uh, uh, I don't see uh, any other uh, thing that they should even be considering uh, for that fight, to be, uh, uh, to be, on, uh, to be honest with you. Um, and speaking of Adelie Bird, we got to uh, kick you to the curb here for a second. But speaking of Adelie Bird, uh, according to reports uh, differing from yesterday's reports, Bob Bennett says that no uh, reprimand has been uh, done. Uh, 
he also spoke again. This guy is such a clown. I, he's a gutless, spineless piece of garbage. Did I ever mention is it, that I thought that, that Bob Bennett was a gutless, spineless piece of garbage? Did I ever mention that to you? And a hypocrite? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. He is a hypocrite, too. But he said, <laughs> uh, and I quote, concerning uh, uh, Adelie Bird, she feels terrible that she saw oh. it. L listen, listen, listen. But, but you know how somebody... They don't admit something. Listen, she feels terrible that she saw it differently from the other two judges. Uh, she explained what she saw and how and why she feels shattered. Uh, you know, and he also is very upset with Teddy Atlas saying that uh, she's corrupt. And he said, Adelie is a woman of integrity and a judge and a judge many people around the world request for. Yeah, I could see why they request for her, Sal. Oh, because yeah. you, you put hey, a couple of extra bucks. I'm going to request yeah, this too. Put, put a couple of extra bucks <laughs> in her pocket and she'll pre-fill out the scorecard like she did Saturday night. But uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> hey, Sal, we're going to kick you to the curb. Go to the bathroom, get some coffee, listen to uh, my man, uh, um, uh, Alex, when we do the blast, and of course Larry Hazard uh, coming up now, and we'll answer your question later. What is it important? I'm over my time. Later. I just want to say, I just, I know, I just want to say to our affiliate GIG fourteen forty and the program director down there and radio talk show celebrity host Scott Rifen. It's his birthday today, so I want to wish Scott Rifen in fourteen forty WGIG. In Brunswick, a very happy birthday, Scott. You had to do that now. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that a, a couple of minutes from now. I mean, come on. Okay. Happy birthday, well, Scott. Mind now, you know how how us fighters think. You hey, know what? I, we got to get it out there when we got it. Otherwise, otherwise I can't remember later. Hey, happy no. birthday, Scott. You don't look a day <laughs> over thirty. So, uh, hey, listen, Sal. We'll talk to you in a little bit, and uh, we're going to take a short break right now. When we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, my man uh, Larry Hazard join us. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. And tell them Billy C. sent ya. Broadcasting in all corners of the globe. On the web and radio. He would scoff at a stretch of that man, I would think. You're listening to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. From upstate New York in the good old U.S. of A. Boxing is here to stay because we are here to stay. The best two hours of boxing talk on the airwaves. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. This, we want you to be there with Billy and me. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. 
And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And speaking of being with us, joining me right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner, my main man, Larry Hazard. And it looks like uh, looks like neither one of us are collecting a dinner after that fight, huh? No, don't don't look that way, Billy. <laughs> well, okay. well, they're talking rematch, but uh, listen, let's talk about the fight. I mean, we we had some time to digest it and everything else. It didn't. The time didn't heal me much, to be honest with you, uh, Larry. I, I, you know, I felt, uh, you know, a, a close fight is a close fight. I, you know, I was talking to several people, and I look at it this way: if Adelie Bird scored the fight, even if she scored the fight for Canelo. 115 113 or even if she went and scored at 116 112 the way i scored it for uh triple g and the way you had it and and letterman had it i don't think the outrage would have been as much but the simple fact that she scored at 118 110 i think that really uh drew the criticisms what's your thoughts oh no you're you're absolutely right in that in that respect um if she had if she had not see i think the issue is not who she picked. Uh, even though I don't think the fight was close, uh, I think that uh, Triple G clearly won the fight. But I guess the overall consensus um, was that the fight was close. And that's what really kind of gets the guy with the draw off the hook uh, for most people, not for me, okay? Because I think the guy who scored a draw is just as lopsided as Adley was. But I, I really think that had it not been for such a wide margin, you know, you wouldn't have such an uproar. So I think that that's really, that's clearly uh, what it is. It's the margin, which, you know, kind of highlights what were you looking at. You know what I mean? If she had scored it a little closer, uh, even if she had given it, to Canelo, uh, I don't think there would be that much of an uproar. So I agree with you 100% there. All right. It's the mark. It's the mark. I'm, I'm going to throw some. These are all going to be great uh, great questions for you with the commissioner hat on. All right? Yes. Um, yes. Now, now he, here's the thing. Keeping in mind that the judges are at different locations, and another thing that I noticed when I rewatched the fight, that most of this fight was fought if, if from the TV view. So if you're sitting on the couch watching the, the fight from the left side of the TV screen. So depending upon where the camera was, I don't know what side of the, of the ring that was in the venue. But from television, most of the fight was fought on the left side. A majority of the fight. I mean, it was fought in all four corners, but most of it was fought, at least the way I saw it, on the left side. Agreed. Does, Agreed. Does that make, because the judges are at different locations, does that make up any, I don't want to use the word excuse, but I'm going to use it, an excuse for one judge being out of whack than the other two, in a sense, because of the location that they may be sitting at? It seems that way because you hit on another very critical point. It seems to be uh, that way because I've heard that so many times. Um, as you might recall, there was another um, situation similar to this, similar in the uproar, 
okay, not not you know not similar in you know the wrong uh, fighter winning quote unquote you know, but the uproar, okay okay, uh, Evander Holyfield when he fought Lennox Lewis, if you can go back to that, okay, unfortunately there was another female judge who who actually had to endure the same type of wrath that this one uh, is enduring in that particular fight. And one of the issues that was highlighted in that fight was, and she said that she, you know, the angle, she couldn't see. She couldn't see a lot of stuff that perhaps the other judges saw, and that, that was one of her reasoning that was one of the reasons that she felt that uh you know the position where she was sitting she felt that uh uh Holyfield or whomever she scored the fight for um you know her score was off and of course she had to endure the wrath of the uh, of the public the same way that this young lady uh Adelaide Bird is is going through so I've heard that many times, uh, Billy. Even in seminars, you know, I've heard judges voice that concern. You know, uh, with technology, I I, I know you you're not going to like this question, um, but it, it's it may be time. Live sporting events, in my opinion, there's nothing like seeing a live boxing event. There's there's things at a live boxing event that you just can't feel and, and put your finger on when you watch it on TV. I, I, I don't care how big of a screen you're watching it on, that's, what, that's what, right. what that's kind right. of a high definition. I mean, when especially ringside, when you're sitting and you're hearing the yeah. punches, you're seeing the, the face uh, expressions on the fighters. I mean, there's nothing like it. There's no other sport. I, I can watch football all day long on, on my couch and love the replays and everything else, but boxing, I don't feel that I, I get the full impact unless I'm ringside. With that said, and with the advent of the technology and stuff, and because of these kinds of problems that seem to be popping up more often than not, is it time to consider moving the judges away from ringside, putting them in a in a room where they have, you know, ISO cameras, where they're going to look at the same sh shot, same camera shot, uh, pull out the commentators, uh, so that they can hear their loud mouths and, and their biased opinion. Remove the fan cheering when uh, a punch doesn't land. And let them, in a, in a sense, judge a fight, just them and the fight. Um, is it time to make that move? Well, <clears throat> you're, you're a man. You know, how's that go? Great minds think alike. <laughs> you know, we've, we've, we've experimented with that with MMA. You know, we've already uh, had some experimental runs with that. And as we speak, Billy, you know, I'm drawing up some, blueprint, some blueprints here on some issues and some new innovations uh, based on what occurred last week. You know, it's time for action. And uh, I think that that's, that's what we are, uh, we're paid to do as administrators. I do not believe, okay, with all of the hoopla, with all of the, uh, you know, the commentators and the tirades that uh, we've uh, witnessed this weekend, 
after that decision, I really don't buy into this corruption uh, uh, stuff that's being thrown out there and this dishonesty and attacking uh, this woman or any judge, judge's integrity on, uh, you know, uh, these situations because we've seen boxing judging needs fixing, okay? And because it's such a subjective uh, task, we have to do other things to help people uh, get better. And so I think that's what uh, the boxing commissions, the administrators, I think that's what they're paid to do. You know, and, and that's what I'm dealing with, and that's what I'm, I'm dead on it. And there's going to be uh, some announcements coming out of New Jersey very, very soon on our efforts to try to fix this issue. As you know, several years ago, Billy, uh, we created uh, a, a system for scoring the a majority, 10-point uh, majority uh, scoring system where we would throw out the odd judge. For instance, round one, when the scores came over to the scorekeeper, if Billy C. had Canelo 10-9, Larry Hazard had Canelo 10-9, uh, and Dax Khan had um, Triple G 10-9, then Triple G's score would go out and Canelo would get round one. You follow me? Yeah. And yeah. that system, believe it or not, it was working very well for us, you know, we, you, you know, but you know what happens all of a sudden, you know, you get a little glitch along the way and then it's no good anymore. And that's what happened in a fight. I think it was Lou Duva had a fight in which I think at the end of the fight, his fighter who lost actually had more points. So, so what happened is that, I think we had something good there that just needed some fine-tuning, but we said, well, what the hell, let's just go back to the old way. But we tried to do something. And so we're going to try something again. Like I said, we've already experimented with uh, MMA, with having the three judges uh, sitting at ringside, but we also had a monitor in the back, and we had judges back there scoring the fight. So, you know, we've collected some data on that, but we're ready to try something new uh, with boxing, which you're going to know about uh, very, very soon. And we hope that it's well-received, but, you know, uh, you're always going to have people that are going to take a negative approach, but, you know, you have to overlook that. We have to constantly try to make things better. Because I don't believe that judges are corrupt. I really don't think that, you know, this well, that, woman that's, that's Adelaide Te Bird. That, that's I, I, I really don't. That's I, I don't think that. That's Teddy People Atlas. That, that's Teddy Atlas well, trying to get camera you know, time. And the problem I have with Teddy, I mean, obviously he knows the sport, but, you know, Teddy is right and, and nobody else is right. It, it, Teddy's opinion, yeah, yeah. he's right. You know, if if, yeah. if it's raining out, and you and I say it's raining out, and Teddy says no, then you and I are corrupt for saying, uh, you know, collaborating and saying it's raining when we're, we've both got umbrellas out, you know, so. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, know, and, then, know. and then, you know, he, he overpowers 
he overpowers other people with his, you know, with his uh, uh, dramatics yeah. and all of that other yeah. stuff. And then this Stephen, this Stephen A. Smith guy who doesn't know dog shit about the sport of He doesn't. And, he, and he, you know, I don't understand. He, I don't know. You know, it's so obvious, too. I mean, it, it's it's sad. But, you know, it's like what you said with your scoring change. In, instead of trying to improve something, everybody's ready to throw it away, you know. But, let, you know, you yeah. hit on something. You hit on something that was the next question. You know, Adelie Bird is being crucified and everything else, right? And, you know, we're, we're looking at possible reasons why and, and, and avoiding the, the corruption thing. Um, I, you know, it's something I've been saying, and you know, I've I've thrown a lot of ideas I have for this sport uh, at you, of course, and uh, safety issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And one of the things is that everybody that follows the sport, most of them, could uh, you know uh, turn around and tell you what all the judging criteria is. They could recite the yes. judging criteria, but I think yes. that the biggest problem with the criteria isn't the criteria itself. It's that there's no fixed order in which that criteria is judged. So, in other words, if Adelie Bird, and I'm just saying this as an example, I don't know this as a fact, but if Adelie Bird, for example, doesn't put much value in a jab, and I'm not talking about a poor jab, I'm talking about a jab that lands. It lands square in your face, a jab that yep. uh, that is uh, that's you know rebooting. Uh, a fighter's uh, a game plan, which was the case on Saturday night with Triple G, yeah. um, and yeah. she doesn't put value in that on her scorecard, and she only scores a fighter that lands a hard punch. You could almost see that her scorecard would be different. Doesn't it make sense to turn around and say, okay, judges, this is the order. You know, the first one is X. The second one is X, you know, and go down the line so that maybe it would even up these scorecards. Is, is there anything along those lines that makes sense? Absolutely. And we just had a we just had a seminar last week, Billy. And I, I could swear, hey, I don't know where, where you're coming up with all of this stuff, but it's almost like you got a script from what we did because I had several... I, the, the, as a matter of fact, one of the judges, who was kind of like a, a leader in the seminar, he basically was saying the exact same thing. And he took it a step further to say that clean, effective punching should be number one on the hit parade, okay, in scoring as it relates to the criteria. Because he rationalized that by saying, if a fighter is able to to deliver the more effective blows, the more cleaner punches, then all of the other stuff kind of goes along with that. He has to be utilizing the ring um, uh, uh, in a more superior fashion than than his opponent in order to be able to do that. So that makes him the ring general. Okay, that's certainly effective aggressiveness. So he was trying to show how. When you're delivering clean, effective punches, all of the other criteria goes in your column just from that alone, and that's why that particular criteria should carry more weight than any of the others. And of course, you know that these these includes also punches to the body, okay? And if a fighter is able to evade his opponent, you know all of this stuff 
comes into play. So what you're saying is absolutely correct. There has to be a chronological order to this criteria. The criteria, in my opinion, is, is good. Okay, it's good. But overall, there has to be a chronological or an order to this criteria in terms of how you're evaluating that fighter's performance. And the fighter who, who actually scores the cleaner, more effective punches should be awarded the round. Now, as a commissioner, when you if you look at a fight like this and, and you have one judge that's, you know, sticking out like a sore thumb like Ms. Bird is in this case, you know, isn't it difficult for a guy in your position to say, hey, you know, uh, Bird, you, you, you were wrong, you were this, you were that, and without sounding like Teddy Atlas? Because the truth of the matter is, is boxing is subjective. You and I can that's watch right. the same punch sitting right next to each other, and you could poke me and say, man, was that a good shot landed or what? And I could look at you like you got two heads and go, what do you mean? He grazed him. He moved out of the way. That wasn't a solid punch. And both feel adamant that, we were, that we're correct. So from a commissioner standpoint, you know, uh, being in charge of your judges, how do you address something like that when subjectivity is, is a major player in that? Well, 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 you try to use the power of, the power of convincing the individual you definitely have to come in now, okay? If I were Bob Bennett, I would bring I would bring Adelaide Bird in, and I would also bring in two or three of her colleagues who would be willing to do it. People who I consider to be good judges, and of course, judges who have been lucky enough, I guess I can use the word lucky enough, to avoid any major controversies over a long period of time. Okay, I would bring them in because this is about educating people and helping your colleagues. Okay, this is about teamwork. And this is what a leader or a commissioner should always try to foster among the people he's leading. And I have done this in the past, but this is what I would do. I would bring them, I would bring her in, and then we would review that fight round by round, okay, with her scorecard and give her an opportunity to um, turn off the sound, give her an opportunity to explain why she scored a particular rounds a certain way, okay, and how you ended up with only giving this fighter two rounds out of 12 and, you know, a fighter who everybody thought won the fight. And I think that that's what she needs, that's what she needs, and that's what I hope Bob Bennett will do, you know, and I've been kind of vacillating, you know, with that thought of maybe giving him a phone call, you know, because, that, you know, we, we have talked from time to time, giving him a phone call and giving him a suggestion because he's in, not he, they're, they're, they're in trouble right now, yes, so to speak, they are. with this issue, they are. you know. He, he, he's in trouble, he, he's lost control, I I don't want to get, you know, especially with you on the line, I don't want to get into my true feelings about him. I, I think that he has lost it, and I, it really was evident in the Mayweather, approving uh, Mayweather and, and McGregor. I, I just, you know, I don't have anything against the fight. I just don't think it should have been approved as a real fight in his yeah. reasonings. And then now this and, and uh, you know, uh, whatever. But 
Uh, one last thing, and and I appreciate uh, all your uh, uh, opinions and and thoughts on on the judging aspect, which has made so much uh, news. But from the re- rematch perspective, they're talking about a rematch, and it was announced that um, that the rematch clause in the contract is already mapped out. It's uh, the the concessions are already in there and everything. You know, as a fighter, Triple G seems to make concessions more than he should. I think that people could criticize him all the way up until Saturday. And then at this point in time, I don't think I don't think Triple G needs Canelo. I, I think that the, it's time to rip up that contract, make a new one, or have Triple G go in another direction, like maybe fight that last guy with the last belt, Billy Joe Saunders, and walk away. I mean, he's got enough money. What's your thoughts on the rematch, and do, do they have it in Vegas again, and does he get a fair shake? I mean, what's your quick thoughts on, on a possible rematch, which they're talking about, by the way, for May. So you're talking another eight months from now. Yeah, well, well, I think that, I think that he will. Uh, I think that he should have a rematch because it falls right in. Uh, this is what the fans want, and I, I think that the fans deserve to see him do it again. But you know what? The thing about a rematch now, the problem – with the judging and the rematch, is that subconsciously, I hope they don't get some judges who feel that Triple G was robbed the first time, so now they're going to go overboard, you know, to score the rounds in his favor. It's almost like Canelo wouldn't have a chance going in. You know what I mean? Like they and did. That, to, like that, they did. That would to, be twice as bad. Like they but, did to. Like they did to Manny Pacquiao against uh, Timothy Bradley in the first fight. Yes. Yes, it seemed know. it seemed like they were mad. Remember, they, there was some stories that came out that the judges and and the commission was mad that he was in the locker room watching uh, the basketball game before he came right, out. Right, right. You know, right. <laughs> you know. I mean, you which know. shouldn't even be an issue. I mean, they should that should have no bearing on on what they're judging. But uh, uh but anyway, it shouldn't. But you know, you're dealing with human beings, and of course, nobody wants to be criticized and all of the other stuff. You know, and I think that. That, that that has done a little bit of harm uh, to it. But I do, to, to get back to your question, I do think that there should be a rematch because uh, traditionally in boxing, that's the way it's been. Right. You know, and, and even though uh, Triple G, you know, didn't get, get the uh, the decision, you know, I'm sure he cried all the way to the bank on Monday morning. Exactly, you know and he's I mean? gonna he's gonna <laughs> cry for the second trip when all the pay per view numbers come in. You know, <laughs> so, but, so uh, here you go. Yeah. I mean, that is a part of the game. That that's been a part of our sport. Um, but we should get it right. You know, but you know, historically, the rematch uh, should come. The people want it, and so I think the fans really do deserve it. Because we do have to look out for the fans, also, Billy. Yeah, you it's know. a it's a big fight, and you're right. And uh, you know, uh, I I, uh, I hope it happens, and I, and I hope that uh, uh, you know Triple G uh, uh, makes some adjustments with the contract. Hey, I got one minute. I want to ask you, Luis Ortiz um, is uh, challenging Deontay Wilder. Finally, yes. In my opinion, Deontay yes. Wilder um, stepping up. I I you know people are being critical of me, but I honestly believe that this is his first real fight. And even though Luis Ortiz has uh, you know thirty eight years old, he's been he'll have been out of the ring for a year. I still think it poses a big test, and I think a lot of it will fall on how much Mark Breland 
uh, can get Deontay Wilder to follow a similar game plan that he had against Deverne. What's your thoughts real quick on the fight itself? Is it is it a fight you're looking forward to? Yes, I am. Yes, I am for all of the above. Okay, I think also that this Deverne was a little bit of a test, but I think this is a bigger test. Okay, and even though, um, you know, he's, he's 38 years old, I think that he's going to be up for it. And uh, this is a test for uh, Wilder. And, again, you know how I felt about uh, Breland being in the corner. You know, I think that he's a, a very good up-and-coming trainer. And if, if Wilder starts listening to him, starts using that jab like he was doing, you know, coming out of the blocks, I think that uh, we might get a chance to see uh, a real a talented fighter in, in, in uh, uh, Wilder. So I'm looking forward to it, yes. And I'm not going to let this fight uh, Saturday, you know, tarnish boxing because we still had a very enjoyable fight. I mean, come on, you know, and I'm not going to let the decision get in the way, okay? Boxing is not corrupt. Uh, Teddy, cut it out, Teddy. Because much of what you have today, you got from this "quote unquote" corrupt sport. You know what makes okay? me. You know what makes me laugh about Teddy when he's training a fighter. He does exactly what he's criticizing all the other trainers for that's doing. Right. You know, like, right. you know, he hands his fighters cupcakes, and it's okay for his fighter. But when somebody else, ah, oh, they yep. should be. You know, the guy is three and zero. He should be in a, a knockout, drag out, killer <laughs> fight. You know, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, I mean, it's absolutely. it's comical. It's comical. But uh, hey, Larry, I appreciate your time and your insight. Um, you know, immensely. You know that. And uh, good luck. Uh, uh, with uh, your uh, stuff on the stove, because uh, we hope that uh, all of that uh, comes uh, to pass. And well, you're going to be the first to know. Well, I'm going I'm to send you. I'm going to send it to you. Sounds good, my man. And uh, hey, throw in my safety idea too. I think that I think we should get that done. I, I really, I think that all the commissions should agree on that. Um, so uh, anyway, good luck with that, and we'll look forward to you next week, brother. Okay, Billy. Okay, buddy. You have a good one, man. Take care. Okay. That's my man uh, Larry Hazard giving us his thoughts uh, on uh, some of the judging issues that uh, has been main uh, stream topic uh, at Elite Bird and uh, what uh, the state of New Jersey would have done. And uh, as usual, uh, uh, Larry's uh, right on point. But hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. And uh, when we come back, uh, I will uh, be doing our blast from the past with my man Alex Papali. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyZBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy Z. Interact with the show at and we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, right now it's time for uh, one of our favorite segments of the show, uh, our Blast from the Past. And this week's Blast from the Past, which is being brought to us by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. And the title bout championship computer game. Download yourself a copy right now 
uh, by visiting our website, billycboxing.com, and clicking on the title bout uh, banner. Uh, features uh, a fighter that was requested uh, to us uh, by one of you guys, a viewer and a listener. And uh, I got to be honest when I tell you that I totally forgot all about Luis Manuel Rodriguez. And I was very glad uh, that, uh, that we got to do it on him. And when I say we, join him in right now to tell us all about Luis Manuel Rodriguez is my man, Alex Perpali. What's up, Alex? Good morning, how are you? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Luis Manuel Rodriguez. Did you forget this guy like I did, or, or was I the only idiot that did? Uh, you know, I really don't know too much about him, and I still don't, um, but hopefully that'll make for a decent blast. Um, I, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen him fight. There are a few clips on YouTube. This was a big, uh, the, the era when he fought uh, from 57 to, to 72 was a big uh, TV era for boxing. But, um, yeah, he, um, you know, it could be one of the things I was reading, I think it was on Cyber Boxing Zone, was saying how um, I think one of the things that sort of he suffered for was he came around right at the same time as Emil Griffith, uh, the two of them matched up very well. Their fights were uh, very competitive, very close fights, but they were a little dull to watch. They were both, um, you know, very uh, slick boxers. Uh, so I think that maybe because he lost three out of the four with Griffith, um, you know, if he had one more, uh, maybe one, one, one more against him, uh, maybe we'd be a little more uh, aware of his name. But, yeah, I mean, it is a little surprising because he was trained by Angelo Dundee. Uh, he definitely had an influence on a young Cassius Clay. Uh, they used to hung out, uh, hang out together because, um, you know, he trained in Miami at uh, Dundee's gym. And, uh, and I guess it's from what, I, from what I read, he sounds like he was really funny. He was a jokester. You know, when you when you look at the the big names on his resume, um, you know, beginning with uh, Curtis Cox and Joey Gambra, Jambria, uh, and uh, Denny Moyer, who was a tough guy, Holly Mims, Hurricane Carter, Georgie Benton, Benny Briscoe, Nino Benvenuti, and then of course his nemesis Emil Griffith. Those are some big names in the sport of boxing that this guy fought, and not only did he fight them. He fought them multiple times, every one of them, you know, and, you know, he was a talented, talented Cuban fighter that you're right. He was on TV a lot and maybe uh, people, uh, uh, you know, remember him uh, coming up on the wrong side. But, uh, you know, when you look at him and the Hall of Fame, he was inducted early in the Hall of Fame, which gives you an indication of how good he was. I mean, he was inducted in 1997. And usually when you see those guys in those first couple of years of the uh, uh, Hall of Fame, you, you got to say to yourself, hey, you know, they were they were exceptional fighters to be inducted so quickly. Right. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. And I think that it probably it shows how the sport, uh, the you know members of the sport itself definitely respected him and uh, and thought of him highly. Uh, but yeah, just to start off, um, you know, the traditional way, uh, Luis Manuel Rodriguez, his nickname was El Feo, which means the ugly. He was born June 17th, 1937 in, I believe this is it, uh, Camagüey, uh, Cuba, 
And um, uh, although there is a note here, some sources say March 14, 37. So whatever. Um, he uh, he grew up in Cuba, and um, when he came to the U.S., uh, he fought, started fighting in Cuba. And when he came to the U.S. to fight uh, Virgil Aikens in uh, um, June of 1959, that fight was in Miami Beach, Florida. He came here, and um, he never went back to Cuba. So he defected. This was the, the time where uh, Castro was rising to power, so there was a lot of... Um, uh, you know, people uh, dissidents fleeing uh, Cuba. Um, one of the things that was in interesting, and I and I couldn't find the actual date of it uh, of which hijacking it was, but he was actually on a plane that was hijacked uh, and brought to Cuba uh, during the um, right after the Bay of Pig Pigs. I think this was in '61. There was a Cuban hijacking. There was a couple of them in the '60s. Uh, and on one of them, like I said, I couldn't find which one it was or I, I'd mention which date. Um, but uh, one of them that the plane was uh, routed to Cuba, uh, Luis Manuel Rodriguez was on that plane. Um, but, um, yeah, he was he was a funny guy. They, one of the things they said about his style was he was a long-armed pogo stick. He fought, he fought uh, you know, in machine gun bursts of punches. And... Uh, he was one of boxing's happy warriors, happy warriors, and like I said, they called him the ugly. One of the reasons was he had this really big, broad nose, and the way one writer, John Hall of um, the, uh, I can't even read, oh, the Los Angeles Times, they print the name of the newspaper so small I can barely read it, um, but the, he called him the welterweight with a heavyweight's nose. He he was a, a, a an extremely talented fighter and and I mean he threw lots of punches he was considered a very busy fighter but one of the things that made him special at least you know uh, in my opinion was that every time he threw punches he threw combinations which is something that <clears throat> a lot of times today when we look at fighters we're like oh god he's got to throw more combos you know he's throwing one punch at a time and this and that and and Rodriguez was a guy that um, threw combos on a regular basis. And he was a great defensive fighter, too. You know, um, he was hard to hit. Uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, not the tallest of tall guys. I mean, he was only five foot eight. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, he was a, he was a talented fighter, a, a sweet science. I mean, you know, we're always, uh, a lot of young fans today have the misconception of what the definition of the sweet science is. And a lot of people look at uh, Floyd, uh, what's his name? And they say, oh, yeah, he's uh, sweet science. Well, not really, because my opinion, sweet science, yeah, you want to hit and not get hit, but still be in position to inflict damage on your opponent. And that's something Luis Manuel Rodriguez did uh, on a regular basis. And uh, so much so that you could uh, contribute uh, the fights that he did not come out with the W uh, because he was willing to exchange. Right. He did, he, he did get stopped a couple of times, and, and you're right. Maybe it was because he was, uh, you know, uh, dancing too close to the fire there. Uh, isn't that a Garth Brooks song? Uh, anyway, I think that... Um, that I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school in Maine. Uh, okay, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the like I said, he was funny, and um, one of the I, I always love when you when you find an article that um, gives you a little slice of the person, 
you know, because it's it's one thing to just go through their stats and say, yeah, he won this fight, he scored a knockout, whatever. But um, to really get a feel of them, uh, it's always fun to find an article where there's some good quotes and stuff. And one of and this this John Hall article, like I mentioned, had some good stuff. Like um, he he didn't mind the nickname. Uh, he said, "What can I do? I know they love me." Um, and he was he used to play with um, some of the uh, heavyweights in the gym. Mike Dijon, who was a big heavyweight, uh, I I believe out of Miami, he was training there in uh, Dundee's gym. Uh, he used to play with him, and he would say, "You know how big he is." And he said, you know how big he is? Well, one day in the gym in Miami, I will walk over to Big Mike, and I will say, Mike, you better go home. And he'll say, why? I say, don't ask questions. You go home. And he'll say, Louie, stop bugging me. What are you talking about? And I say, Mike, you can't stay. They have no more peanuts for the elephants. <laughs> yeah, he's lucky he didn't get a slap in the face, right? <laughs> I know, especially from a heavyweight. I and, and I guess he loved watching... He was a, a terrific dancer. I mean, this guy was born in the wrong era because evidently he was a terrific dancer. He was like Fred Astaire, they said. Uh, he even made up some a dance step. I don't know if he made it up, but he said he first started doing the buttered beats, which is, I guess it was supposed to be uh, a dance move similar to the mashed potatoes. But um, one of the things he loved to do was watch boxing because... Uh, on TV because you'd always learn something. And I, I mean, that's one of the things that's cool. You know, a lot of people today, they walk around thinking of themselves T as TBE. They don't think they have to learn anything. Everybody can learn something. And uh, one of the things he said is he n never, you know, he likes to copy things, but I never copied the way G Gene Fulmer boxes or the way Patterson takes a punch. <laughs> you know, I think it's called mashed potato. I don't the think the yeah. I don't think the dance is called the mashed potatoes, but uh, you know I don't know that's a little before my era too. But uh, hey, you know Emil Griffith, when you when you look at Rodriguez's uh, uh, resume, Alex, uh, you know, and and I had mentioned uh, uh, briefly some of the big names on his uh, resume. He did have a 16 year career, uh, beginning in '56, going all the way pretty much uh, consistently through uh, his last fight in 1972. Emil Griffith seemed to be his nemesis. Um, you know, do you have any opinions why? I mean, Emil Griffith, no disrespect to him, he was a great fighter, and maybe he just had Rodriguez's number. It's something that we've talked about uh, many times on this show about fighters just having another fighter's number. Was that the case with Rodriguez and Emil Griffith? Well, I think to some degree, but I think in in the in their first fight, um, uh, Griffith almost stopped almost stopped him in the first round had him hurt um, had him reeling um, but then by the end um, some of the writers at ringside uh, thought that um, Rodriguez deserved the decision um, so that fight was close um, and then the other ones were all decisions as well um, Griffith won three out of four. So, yeah, I think that that was one of those things where um, because their styles were sort of similar, they're both uh, slick boxers, they, you know, matched up well. I mean, I guess, uh, I don't know if we, I could think of a modern corollary, maybe um, Buddy McGirt and Pernell Whitaker. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I believe a couple of them are on... Um, YouTube, I did not watch uh, the whole fight, so I, I don't know um, 
you know, I, what they look like specifically. So I can't comment further than that. Well, the uh, the three of the four, one, one, the one that he won is where he won the title. And they were the the other fights were close right. enough where you know split decision wins and stuff like that where like you said that you know the fan base uh, felt that he won the fight it justified a rematch you know um, and you wonder if right. if the if, second one he won the title and then he had and this is another reason why perhaps he's not remembered uh, as much as other fighters is that he had the unfortunate uh, distinction of only being welterweight champion for forty seven days. Uh, he beat Emil Griffith by decision, 15-round decision in 63 in March, and then they rematched uh, just a few months later in June, and like you said, Griffith beat him then. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is the, is the decision wins that Emil had over him were extremely close. They were all close fights, which which warranted a rematch, you know, and, and that's something that we don't see as often you know we're t discussing the possibility of a rematch between triple g and canelo and you know some people are for it some people are against it um you know uh, floyd mayweather made a career of not wanting to give rematches uh i see uh, fans say oh we don't need to see a rematch uh, the first fight was enough and uh, you know it, it makes me wonder because when you go back in time and and quite honestly this isn't that far back i mean he fought through 1972 it was a regular occurrence for these guys to fight rematches, especially if it was a close or controversial fight. It, uh, they would have no problems fighting uh, multiple times. And, and that's definitely the era that Luis Manuel Rodriguez fought in. Absolutely. And like you said, uh, you know, just if you go through his record, um, in terms of Hall of Famers, uh, the ones I counted on his record, I counted three. Like we mentioned, Emil Griffith, he was one and three against Griffith. Against Curtis Cox, another Hall of Famer, he was one and one against him. Excuse me, against Nino Benvenuti, he was 0 oh and one against him. He was doing pretty well in that fight when he was knocked out. And then he had these other guys, four other badasses who are not in the Hall of Fame yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if... Um, at some point, some of these guys get in there. Uh, one, he had a KO win over Georgie Benton, who was a great uh, Philly fighter who became a great trainer. Uh, he had two 10-round decision victories over Benny Briscoe. Um, he had two decision victories over Ruben Hurricane Carter. And he had two decisions over a young and dangerous Benny Kid Perret. So uh, and then, like you said, he also had fights with Denny Moyer, uh, Joey G Joey Jambra. Um, so yeah, at Holly Mims. Um, he fought a lot of guys that are not in the Hall of Fame yet, um, but they're certainly uh, considered very highly. Is Holly is Holly Mims in the Hall of Fame? You know, I don't. I didn't think so. And, and no, and, and no, I he's not. He's not. I, I think no. he's been. I think he's close. I think he's close. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, uh, feel that he should be in, and I could have sworn Georgie Benton was. I uh, thought he maybe he is as a trainer. As a trainer, uh, yeah, maybe maybe he is as a trainer. Maybe he is as yeah, a trainer. He's, right, because he's not listed here on the uh, fighters. Well, yeah. and neither is um neither is Benny Briscoe, which I'm a little surprised. But you know, he was a terrific contender, but you know, he never became a champ. No, I, yeah, but 
Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I guess with all the titles now, I, I guess they look at it like you got to be. But, you know, he fought. Uh, he I think at some point some of these guys might get in because, you know, sometimes we have a, a thin year, one of those guys that's, uh, that gets traditionally a lot of votes every year but not enough. He might go ahead on a year that's um, as a little light. He also beat Rafael Gutierrez, which is another good fighter. But he fought uh, for a world title in the last the last time against Nino Benvenuti in uh, 1969, uh, and uh, was stopped. One of the only three times he was stopped. Uh, he fought 121 uh, fights. I mean, so uh, being stopped three times is is pretty uh, impressive. He did continue with his career uh, for another several years, uh, and then uh, while he, after the fight with Benvenuti. Um, he did fight a couple of tough uh, opponents. Bobby Cassidy was one. He, uh, Bobby Cassidy, not that he's a household name, but he, uh, he is, uh, I believe he was inducted into the New York uh, Boxing Hall of Fame or one of the states. I'm pretty sure it was New York. Uh, and he also fought Davey Hilton in 1971 and, uh, and beat him. So he, he got a couple of wins over those guys, but his last two fights uh, were against up-and-comers, and, and it seemed that Rodriguez... Uh, did not want uh, that distinction of being a gatekeeper, and he walked away. But that's where it goes blank for me, Alex. Um, what what happened uh, after his last fight in 1972? Because he, he died uh, at a fairly young age, at 59 years old in 1996. Where did he go after his last fight for those, uh, you know, for those remaining years of his life? Unfortunately, I do not know. In terms of where... Uh, his obituaries, a couple of them said he did continue living in Miami, but um, uh, in terms of what he did, I don't know. Uh, he died at a really young age. He was only um, 59. Uh, he did get married and he had a son um, and they, you know, they were, uh, they survived him. Uh, he died in Miami Beach at South Shore Hospital. It sounds like it was complications of, um, uh, kidney disease, as well as he had had been recovering from a heart operation. Uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know um, in terms of what he did uh, after boxing. You know, unfortunately, he came uh, around during a time when um, you know he probably wasn't compensated that well, uh, or at least uh, you know I would hope he was, but. Um, you know, he, he especially defecting from Cuba, they, they most likely took advantage of him. So uh, interesting. Yeah, because I couldn't find out if he stayed in the sport, if he went off and did something else. Uh, all I know is uh, he passed at 59 years old, which uh, I was hoping uh, uh, you could, you know, I know you're into into all of that gory stuff uh, right, leading right. up to it. But um, how did he do in uh, title bout, my man? Uh, in title bout, uh, where are the results? Here we go. Uh, I put him in. He um, he did fight for the middleweight title. He came up short against Benvenuti, but his the bulk of his career was at welterweight. So I only put him in at welter. I put him in against the current top guy, which is Keith uh, One Time Thurman. And uh, when they fought the first time, uh, Luis Manuel Rodriguez won a majority decision. Uh, Judge Adelaide Bird scored at 114-114. Corruption! Corruption! That was corrupt! It was corrupt! I tell you, she got paid off! Even in title bout, she's corrupt! She's not that! She's no good! I'm sorry, what would the rest of the score? This sport! This sport! This sport! I know! They do this to a kid! I know! 
Oh, God. Uh, so the other scores were 118-110 and 116-112. All four, I mean, uh, a majority decision in favor of Rodriguez. Um, no knockdowns in that fight. And then when they fought 100 times, Luis Manuel Rodriguez, El Feo, dominates, winning 94 victories. Just defeat, just Thurman won just four of them. They drew two times. Uh, El Feo knocked Thurman out 25 times. And in his four victories, uh, one time scored three knockouts. Well, you know what? It, sh- it goes to show you a lot of times the title bout uh, championship game, how they view some of these fighters and uh, Luis Manuel Rodriguez uh, quite uh, quite easily could be a, a, an extremely underrated fighter in, in a lot of people's minds, but not in title bouts. So uh, uh, impressive, impressive there. So uh, great job as usual. Alex, our uh, blast from the past, Luis Manuel Rodriguez. He uh, had a career record, 107 wins, 49 coming by knockout, giving him a 40% knockout ratio. He lost 13 fights in his 121 bouts. Uh, was stopped only three times. He fought uh, 929 rounds throughout his 16-year career, was a former world welterweight champion, and was inducted in the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1997. And uh, Alex, great job as usual. And um, just to close here, uh, I know you uh, were part of our post-fight show uh, following Triple G and Canelo. Uh, now, Actually, I didn't. I didn't make it. I, I wanted to be, but I was towing cars. Oh, you weren't. I could have sworn you were on. Oh, hey. Well, let me take two. Hey, Alex. We really missed you on our post-fight show, and uh, I was wondering what. Now that you had a chance to, uh, di- you know, uh, digest the uh, uh, fight uh, a couple of days. Yeah, <laughs> I could. What an idiot I am. Uh, hey, yeah. You know, I was half asleep anyway during that show. But uh, um, what was your thoughts on on, uh, on the fight, the decision? Uh, on Adelie, Berta corrupt. She's crazy. She's right. No, no. What was your thoughts? I can't stand what they do. It's so fucking up. Um, I thought that uh, Golovkin won. I had it seven rounds to five in favor of Triple G. Uh, one fifteen, one thirteen. The only rounds I gave to Canelo were the second, third, tenth, uh, eleventh, and twelfth. The rounds that I thought were extremely cl- well. Were pretty close. Uh, were the the uh, one, two, three, fourth, the fourth, the fifth, the seventh, and the tenth. Um, I uh, I guess even my card was different from Harold Letterman's by one round. He gave the tenth to Canelo. I mean, he gave the tenth to Golovkin. I gave it to Canelo. Um, Canelo fought in bursts. Uh, it was rare that he sustained an attack um, enough to take a whole round, in my opinion. That said, I think what um, Roy Jones... Uh, Roy Jones, to me, I mean, a lot of people don't like him on social media, but I, I think he's quickly becoming the best HBO has. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 he, he may be the best they have, but they've really... Uh, the, between the right, three I, of them... I admit, might not be saying much. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, Jim Lampley... Alex, I didn't, oh. mean to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Jim Lampley, he's lost the ability to call a fight. I mean, I mean, this is a guy that relies on the punch stats, and even when he doesn't believe the punch stats, he still stands behind them. You know, I, I mean, it was, it was crazy to listen to him during that one round. I, it was early in the fight, 
And he's going, oh, geez, uh, uh, Punch Stat says that, that he threw more punches. I kind of thought it went the other way. Oh, well, I guess Punch Stat, you know, and it's like, are you kidding me? You know, I, I mean, uh, you don't know how to watch a fight. I mean, uh, that's two other guys hitting a keyboard. I mean, you know, yeah. I, 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 I just don't get it. Actually, I think that was actually in the Diego De La Hoya fight, but you're right. He, he openly, I think it was like the second or third round of the Diego De La Hoya fight, but he openly said, like, look at this. He was stunned. He didn't know how to compute because it was like the CompuBox show that Diego De La Hoya landed fewer punches, but he won the round. Yeah. I thought he won the round. So, I mean, right there you had a moment where Lampley should have said, hey, maybe, maybe relying solely on CompuBox numbers for everything I say is not a good idea. Um, but, yeah, that's what he does. I, I think, to me... This is the same thing Kovalev did when he fought uh, Ward the first time. He let Ward win those last couple rounds. Vegas traditionally likes the guy who finished strong, stronger. Look at the uh, second Mosley fight. Look at the uh, Trinidad De La Hoya fight. Look at De La Hoya Quarte. A lot of co- uh, close fights. The guy who rallies in the last couple rounds a lot of times comes away with the decision. So if you're going into uh, Vegas without being the power broker in terms of the promotional team, you better win those last couple rounds. Uh, Golovkin left the door open for uh, Canelo to steal it because, as I I mentioned, I thought he lost the last three. Um, Again, the 10th was very close. But like Andre Ward did, and Roy Jones was the only one who mentioned this, what Canelo was doing was just countering him very well and landing hard when he countered. Now, he did not do it as effectively as Ward. But in those early rounds, Roy Jones did point that out, uh, that because he was landing really well, that even though his few punches, that was all he was doing, and it was Golovkin carrying most of the round, jabbing, the, jabbing away, those uh, few but firm uh, punches were enough to win some of those early rounds. But uh, as the fight wore on, I'm sorry, you know, you just got to give the rounds when they're close to the guy who's throwing more punches, not the guy who's taking breaks, circling, laying in the ropes, letting the other guy get off. I mean, to me, that's a no-brainer. I agree. I agree. And uh, it looked like Triple G was the Mexican fighter. But uh, anyway, Alex, great job as usual. And uh, we'll look forward to you, uh, if you can, later in the week or uh, next week, my man. Sounds good, Billy C. Take care. All right, brother. That's uh, Alex Perpali uh, giving us uh, the blast from the past and his thoughts uh, on the uh, Triple G Canelo fight. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, Sal, Rocky, Senecola will be back, and we got some emails to read, so don't go nowhere. Billy C. will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening. 
the Billy C. Show. Glad you could join us. And uh, joining us again after uh, a trip to the bathroom and refilling his coffee cup is uh, my man Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. And, uh, you know, during the break, I, I see you cracking yourself up over there uh, with the sound. <laughs> it's a good thing that you entertain yourself, Sal. It's, uh, I always stuff. have, it's Billy. I always have. I was uh, always, always an entertainer. Um, got some emails. I, you know, I, just one thing, you know, I, Alex was giving us his thoughts on the uh, Triple G Canelo fight. And uh, Larry, Larry had a, a great segment from a, uh, I heard. From a commission's uh, uh, yes. point of view on Adelie Bird. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to keep patting myself on the back, but I, but I will, Sal. I, I should. I, you know, no, I, 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 should. I should. I should. It doesn't happen um, often. So you know, you I... <laughs> Doesn't happen often. That's it. Oh well, we. I'm sorry, we lost Sal. Sal's disconnected. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Guru. So, I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. No, but you know, like I said uh, about Triple G uh, fighting Canelo, I said Canelo's biggest weakness is the fact that he can't stand in front, and you know. The more and, and uh, that he has to stand in front. I'm sorry that he can't land effective punches on the move, and you know with his game plan, Sal. And now that we've had time to to, to look at it and and dissect it, etc., um, it almost seems like his game plan was to utilize his speed and hand movement and footwork and everything else. But his inability to land effective punching on the move made him reset, and that fell right into Triple G's uh, game plan. And and I think ultimately, uh, just like I thought it would, it it in my mind it lost him the fight, even though officially it was a draw. I mean, what, what do you think? I think you're right on, Bill. And and you know I, I I know I seem to always agree with you, but when you know great minds get together, they think alike. Um, I, I saw the same situation, and, you know, Alex made a good point. He said that he saw, you know, Canelo do what he had to do in small spurts or whatever. He didn't follow up or sustain a, an attack. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, Triple G, he kept cutting the ring off. He kept, as some people may say, following him around the ring, but he was being effective with some of his aggressive uh, movement, and I think that he landed the, more of the punches. I just don't see how anybody could argue the fact that Triple G did not outbox or outpoint or outhit Canelo Alvarez. And based on that, he should have won that fight by a unanimous decision, a split decision. But he should have walked away, and he should have won that fight. Well, despite, and, uh, despite not winning, the WBC no. still gave him the belt, which I, I find, uh, you know, don't you have to win a fight to get a belt? Anyway, because um, he got that special belt, you know, because that's what we need in boxing, more belts, you know. But, more uh, belts. Well, suspenders. Hey, we should try winning, giving the, we should try giving, I think we just, I, I you know what? It. I think we just got, landed. I, I think we should start awarding fighters suspenders instead of belts. What do you think? I think that you are 100% correct again, Billy C. I know. I, know. I think it's suspenders. I'm on a roll. Right. I'm, on a, I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. I, I'd I like, and on speaking roll, of rolls, I'd like to have a ham, egg, and cheese on a roll if anybody's got one handy. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we got a couple of emails here. This first one is from Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C and Sal, I would like to see a rematch. But if not, then I want to see Triple G fight Charlo or Jacobs or 
have Canelo fight either of those guys or even uh, Demetrius Andrade. I heard supposedly that next year they might match Canelo versus Spence since Spence is just outgrowing the welterweight division. I was hearing a Spanish music radio station and they took callers' thoughts and supposedly a good majority of the callers said they saw Triple G win and they will no longer watch Canelo fights. Were you surprised fans were booing the scorecards and Canelo, they were booing, I think, Canelo when he was talking. Um, You know, maybe they were booing the scorecards, but just like fans booed Timothy Bradley after the Manny Pacquiao fight, Canelo didn't score the cards. I mean, you can't play. And listen, I don't think any less of Canelo. I happen to like Canelo, and I I just thought that uh, Triple G was going to win the fight. I, I mean, you know. Um, I, I think they weren't booing. I hope they weren't booing at Canelo. I think they were booing at the judges. And, and as far as other fights, I don't want to see Triple G fight anybody else. I, I mean, to tell you the truth, the rematch with Daniel yeah. Jacobs, I wouldn't mind. But I want to see Triple G fight one of two fights. I want to see him fight Canelo in a rematch, or I want to see him fight Billy Joe Saunders and get all the belts and walk away. I, I, there's two fights left. For Triple G, in my opinion, a rematch and or actually there's probably one fight left for Triple G, Sal, uh, either the rematch or Billy Joe Saunders. I, I don't need to see him fight these up and coming. Guys. Floyd never fought. Floyd retired ducking every young up and coming champion. Why should Triple G be the older fighter and fans want to force yeah. him to fight the young gun? I don't get it. Two more fights. I said I said before last week, I said Triple G's got maybe two or three fights in him. He's got two more fights. He's got the Canelo Alvarez rematch, and he's got the, uh, uh, the other title. Billy, Billy Joe Saunders. By Jim, Bill- Billy Joe Saunders. And you know what? then he could ride off into the sunset. Whichever fight comes first, I hope he takes the Canelo fight first if that happens. But if it's not going to happen... Yes, in the new year around Christmas or right around the new year, he should fight Billy Joe Saunders, win that title bout, use it as leverage as you suggested, saying, hey, I'm retiring. I got all the belts, and Canelo, you you, you blew it, unless you want to sit back down at the uh, negotiation table and we'll redo this contract. And, uh, you know, and uh, you know, then that, that might be a good way to go. But he's got two more fights in him, and those are the two he should take. No being fodder an old father to what about the mother what about the mother you're talking about the father father you're talking about the the father what about the mother come on man come on stop stop horsing around hey Hey, listen listen we got another comment from jesse he says he says louis uh louis ortiz versus wilder is interesting but will you give credit billy c if he doesn't box wilder doesn't box he just throws his bombs and covers up um and he said, did you watch the Fox uh, One Sports? Yes, we talked about that. Um, I will give credit to Deontay Wilder if he beats Luis Ortiz, and I don't care how he beats him. If, if, if he beats him just throwing bombs or if he beats him with a, a, a well-executed game plan, I will 100% give Deontay Wilder credit, and I want to give Deontay Wilder credit. Don't get me wrong. I like Deontay Wilder. It's just that I don't like him pounding his chest saying he's the best when he hasn't fought anybody. But, yes, I will definitely give him credit. One last email, Sal. This one's from Joel. Where's my T-shirt? He says, where's my T-shirt? No, he didn't say that. Uh, Joel says, uh, hey, Billy, see, there are two small boxing events set as pay-per-views 
uh, for the next two weeks. This Saturday, Joseph Parker versus Huey Fury will air live. What are you, Joel? A commercial for the pay-per-view? We'll air live for $25. Why not? What's he been hanging out with Rocky Sinicola? He says, well, next Saturday, Juan Manuel Lopez against Jason Valiz on pay-per-view will air for $40. Do you and Sal think uh, these of these two events being set up as pay-per-view events as opposed to being free? Do you think these events are worthy of their price? Curious to think of, uh, curious to get your thoughts. Well, here, here's the thing. Do I think that they're worthy of pay-per-views? No, not here in the States. But sometimes you have no choice if you want to watch the fight. If it's available uh, via a stream uh, that you have to pay for or via uh, television that you have to pay for, and it's the only option, well, then it's up to you. Is the fight worth the money? You know, uh, Joseph Parker against Huey Fury for 25 bucks. There's nothing else really big this weekend. I, you know, uh, maybe it's worth it. Uh, I don't know. As far as uh, uh, Juan Malopez, I mean, you know, Juan Malopez is an exciting fighter, whether he wins or loses. Um, but Jason, I, I, you know what? It's it, it all matters. You know, for me, sometimes I got to get the fights, but it all matters. It's up to you, Joel. I mean, if, if you think it's uh, worth it, then uh, then you get it. But good question. I mean, uh, the bottom line, Sal, is if it's your only option, you you got to fork over the cash, right? Well, you do. And I, at twenty five dollars, it's 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 one to consider if you want to watch the fight. I mean, I I'd prefer seeing that nineteen ninety five, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'd I'd prefer seeing it on NBC. But that's besides I the know, point. I know. You know, and I and I think it's you know streams uh, should be uh, you know for free. But uh, anyway, hey, on this day, September twentieth in nineteen ninety seven, Lou DeValley knocks out Eddie Smolders in the eighth round to win the vacant WBA World Light Heavyweight title, and that took place in Germany. On this day, September 20th in 1975, David Cote wins a 15-round decision over Ruben Olivares to win the WBC World Featherweight title, and that took place in California. On this day in 1949, Willie Pep knocks out Eddie Campo in the seventh round to retain his World Featherweight title, and that took place in Waterbury, Connecticut. Uh, on this day in 1958, Hogan Kid Bassey stops Willie Pep in the ninth round to improve to 57 wins, 11 losses, and a couple of draws uh, in their fight that took place at the Boston Garden. On this day in 1906, Jack Johnson, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, wins a six-round newspaper decision over Joe Jeanette uh, in their uh, heavyweight fight that took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And on this day... In 1972, the late great Muhammad Ali stops Floyd Patterson in the seventh round to retain his NABF uh, heavyweight title, and that took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, concludes our show for today. But Sal, we got a busy show scheduled for tomorrow, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, hey, I tell you what. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with, you know, you're cracking me up because I got you on the screen right now. So everybody else is watching Sal. Sorry, uh, sorry. So I until, until, I don't know until when I'm on when I'm not. Until so then. You, Bill, in, it's all your entertainment. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na